Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. Okay, this is the quote. Charles Spurgeon is his name. Never tolerate low thoughts of him. Talking about Jesus. Never tolerate low thoughts of him. You may study, look, and meditate, but Jesus is a greater Savior than you think him to be when your thoughts are at their highest. How true is that? We can look and gaze and meditate and wonder, stand in awe for all of our days. And that's our, that's our greatest call. That's like my greatest joy to know him and be known by him. That is like my chief goal of life. Like if I can get everything straight and just see you for who you are, then I'll get to where I'm going. Oh, then I'll be totally satisfied. Then I'll be fulfilled when I see him like he is. Because it's like total transformation. Seeing him for who he is, everything gets put in order in your life. You go, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about that. No, don't have to worry about that. I'm set free from that. He broke that off of me. It's amazing. Never tolerate low thoughts of him. Can you make that commitment in your heart tonight? That no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation no matter what you're going through, no matter what lie is coming at you in your head, you, sometimes you'll think thoughts that are low thoughts of God and it's not even your thought. You've got to tell that thought to go back to hell where it came from. That's what you've got to do sometimes. That ain't my thought. The devil try to put it on you like, oh, Mallory, you're such a bad Christian. You thought Jesus wasn't going to help you. Ha, ha, ha. You're like, actually, sucker, that was your thought. Get that crap out my head. You may study, look, and meditate, but Jesus, you are a greater Savior than I could ever think you to be, even when my thoughts are at my highest. Oh, God. Thank you. Oh, man. Let's just pray. God, thank you. Thank you for being greater than we could ask, think, or imagine. Thank you for being better than I know. Thank you that there's more of you to discover than I could ever have time to discover in this life or the next. Thank you that in eternity I will literally get to see you unfold your beauty and glory before me. And I will worship you day and night. And it will be so satisfying. I will be totally fulfilled. I will have no need or no want. And God, I thank you that that's even an invitation for our daily life today. Right now. Right here. In every circumstance that is presented in this room, in every age category, in every lifestyle category, in every family situation, no matter what your background, no matter what your age, race, color, sex, gender, all that stuff, God is so worthy of your, of your worship, so worthy of your focus, so, so uh, available to reveal himself to you. And it'll leave you in wonder, leave you standing in awe, leave you totally satisfied, right? David talks about this in Psalm 63. It's so awesome. He says, early in the morning, God, my God, early I will seek you. Oh, man, because your loving kindness is better than life. The greatest beautiful thing about this psalm is that he was writing this in the midst of a desert. Like, says, like, and he wrote it in the wilderness. You're like, oh, my gosh. Dude was hungry, dude was sunburnt, dude was in sandstorms, dude was thirsty, he was having hallucinations, you know, I don't know, like, you know, that <laughs> mirage stuff probably was going on and whatever, I probably saw like blue whales falling out of the sky and stuff. 
And he's just like, no, I hunger after God. I'm thirsty for God alone. He's the only thing that will satisfy me. Oh, come on. This is where, this is the place that you're invited to go with your heart. Okay, a place that you can become completely satisfied, a place where how, how well you did on your test at school, how good you did in your sports game, how much, how highly your parents or your friends or people, the cool people in school think about you, all that stuff gets squashed in the presence of being hungry and thirsty for God because everybody who hungers and thirsts gets filled. And everybody who's filled by God is satisfied, abundantly satisfied. Come on, man. That's such a good promise, no matter what. Oh, man. So God, you know, sends his son Jesus down, and he's the savior of the world, right? He reveals himself. The people he revealed himself to, he said, hey, follow me. And they're like, okay. There was like clearly something on this man that caused people to follow him. To follow him. Like Peter was this one guy. He's like, he's a fisherman, right? He's probably from Butts County. And, you know, he's just like regular old dude, gets woken up at one in the morning to go mudding and all that stuff. And... So Jesus is like, hey, follow me, boy. He's probably pretty used to that. Peter was a pretty, like, no matter what kind of guy, you know. He's the kind of guy you want to have on your side if you're getting into trouble. Remember the time when he cut the dude's ear off in the garden? <laughs> like, yeah, Peter, you roll with me, man. I feel really good about that. When he pairs people up two by two, I'd be, like, standing right next to Peter. Be like, hey, me and him, me and him. We're on the same team. <laughs> you know about that? Jesus sent him out two by two to do all this kinds of heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, set the captives free. Yeah? Any of y'all done that? Heck yeah. Even, even, ah, even walking into the room, you, dis, you displace darkness because God is inside of you. Man, there's a lot of truth we need to sink our teeth into and walk out in life, Okay. Peter was that kind of guy. He's like, follow me. He's like, okay. So this is a real quick rundown, right, of Peter. He's fishing. Jesus says, hey, yo, come on. He says, okay, I'm coming. He says, like, goes on and sees him, like, heal a couple people that are, like, blind. And there's a lady who's got a fever, and Jesus heals her. And Peter's like, okay, all right. This is awesome. This guy's the real deal. Then all of a sudden, the disciples are all hanging out, and Jesus is there in the background, and they're all kind of like murmuring about who everybody's saying Jesus is. And so all this hoopla is going on because at the time, they're still waiting for the Jewish people are waiting for their Messiah. They're under like this um, oppression from the Roman government and all that stuff. You heard about this in school maybe. I don't know. And anyway, so it's like when you're oppressed, you're like, Where, when the heck is that Savior coming? And so... All these people are talking about, like, maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the guy because he's healing people and he's setting people free. He's taking people who haven't walked in 38 years and saying, hey, why don't you just pick up your bed and walk around, man? Everything's going to be fine. He's restoring hope to the hopeless, okay? He's here tonight. If you have any place in your life where you feel hopeless, hope is here in the room, okay? So then they're all saying, well, who do you think he is? Ah, some people are saying he's Elijah. And Jesus rolls up on the conversation. And he's like, huh, so what are people saying about me? And they say, well, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're this. Some people say that you're that. And then he goes like, okay, well, what do you think? Who do you say that I am? Of course, who do you, who do you think speaks up? Peter. He goes, you're the Christ. 
You're the Messiah. You're the one who was sent to save us, to rescue us. Okay? So the crazy thing about that is that if somebody would have heard him, if one of the Pharisees or Roman soldiers, all that stuff, probably the Pharisees actually more like, they would have captured him and crucified Peter because it would have been considered heresy. So what he was saying was not like some light statement like, well, heck, man, I think you're the Christ. No, it was like everybody else was afraid to say it, and Peter said it. Okay? Then all of a sudden, like later, they keep rolling together and everything. That was when, that was when sorry, back up a second. That was when Jesus said to Peter, Thank, or, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but it was my Father in heaven who revealed this to you. His spiritual eyes were open to see God. When you're hungry and thirsty, you'll be filled. When you're hungry and thirsty, your eyes are waiting and open. Like, when I get hungry like today, I was like moving all kinds of things around. Like, okay, we're going to have prayer, and then I'm going to go to Tropical Smoothie, and then I'm going to get my smoothie here, and I'm going to have this sandwich. Like, everything kind of gets focused around food, right? So if you're hungry for God, you're going to start seeing God everywhere. If you're thirsty for God, you're going to find him, okay? So they keep rolling on, and Jesus starts telling the disciples about how he's going to be crucified. Guess who? Big mouth spouts out again. He goes, heck no, man. I ain't letting that happen to you. That's not going to happen, right? You remember that part? And Jesus is like rebuking Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. He's like, whoa, hold up. What a second. Wait a second. What? I was just trying to be the tough guy, you know? And he gets rebuked, so he's kind of like, oh, I don't know what's going on there. And then, like, later on, at the Last Supper, Jesus is saying that all of you will betray me before the night's over or whatever. And Peter's like, not even if every single person, not even if all of y'all chicken out and run away, 12-ish of you over here, 11, I'm going to be the one who doesn't run away. Peter is, like, hardcore, no matter what. No matter what, I'm not going to chicken out. No matter what, I'm not going to back down. So, Later on in the night, Peter, or Jesus is going away to pray and be by himself with, the, with God, his Father, and everything. And all of a sudden, the dudes roll in, the soldiers, right, to take him. And Judas is the one who betrays him. He kisses him to notify the soldiers which one he is. And Peter mans up to his word, pulls his sword out, right, like I mentioned earlier, slices bro's ear off. And Jesus is like, hold up. Wait a second. And Peter's like, I told you, man. I tried to tell you. I was not letting this happen. I warned you. And Jesus is like, oh, Peter, gosh, I love your zeal. But, man, sometimes that butts county thing gets in your way, bro. And so Jesus picks up the dude's ear. Everyday thing, you know, no big deal. Puts it back on. Okay, now you can crucify me. Like, what the heck? If Jesus was, like, even a little bit, like, even had a little bit of sin, even a little bit of selfishness, he would have been like, all right, heck yeah, angels, go, you know, and, like, he would have, like, released the whole host of heaven, they would have come in and obliterated everybody, and he could have just, like, I don't know, said sorry to God later or something, but he was, like, obedient to death, that's why he's worthy of our praise, that's why I can't even worship him without bawling my eyes out sometimes, it's amazing. And so, you know, how, G- how the story goes, Jesus says, Peter, even before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three, you're going to deny me three times. And he's, he's like confused at this point. He's like, 
I'm trying to do my best to not deny you by, like, being super legit and cutting bro's ear off. And now you're going to go and tell me that I'm not supposed to do that. I'm confused. I'm totally confused. I'm, like, living out of my heart here, you know. And so they take Jesus away, and, you know, Peter follows him because he's like, man, I got to, like, figure this out. I said, no matter what, I'm not going to give up. No matter what, I'm not going to deny him all this stuff. And then the little girl comes by. He's at the fire or whatever and says, hey, this, this fella here, he was with Jesus. And he's like, what are you talking? She's just a little girl. She doesn't know what she's talking about. You know how, you know, if you have a brother or a sister that's younger than you, you make them feel like an idiot when they say something that's not true. You're like, she, he's just like, he's only in second grade. Doesn't know anything. If you're the youngest, you're like melting inside right now because you're like, that always happened to me. It always happened to me. They never listened to me. It's the middle child I was. So, you know, you get the worst of both worlds. It's all good. Middle child. Anybody else in here? Yeah, you know how it is. So, happens again. Say, no, I'm pretty sure you were the dude. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, for sure. This guy was with them. So then he gets extreme again, as, you know, Peter does. And he goes totally the other way. I wasn't the effing guy that was over there, you little. And curses the girl out. That's what it says in the Bible, y'all. I mean, it doesn't say the words. You know, they'd be in Hebrew. And I'd be like, hocking and spitting up here because I don't know how to speak Hebrew and stuff. (laughs) So he denies Jesus. And runs away. And I think it's really fascinating that, like, this to me is not his lowest point. Okay? Like, Peter's all over the map and, like, trying to be committed to God. And no matter what, I'm going to stand for you, all this stuff. And he's done all these exploits to, like, prove that he's, like, the tough guy who's going to stand for him no matter what. And then he gets to the, this place where it's like, oh, man, that was the worst, you know? He totally did what Jesus said he was going to do. Like, Like, Jesus is going to be surprised? Like, he's the one who told you you were going to screw this up. And so Peter, for some, for whatever reason, just bolts. I mean, fear, shame, guilt, all that stuff causes you to flee, right? And runs away. And you're like, bro, he knew you were going to screw up. Can you just receive that tonight? He knew you were going to screw up. He knew you were going to screw up. He knew you were going to screw up. If I had a mirror, I'd hold it right here. Selfie picture. He knew. Wait, I got to switch it. He knew you were going to screw up. Oh, took a picture. Put it better side, better side. No. So, seriously, how stupid is it that we screw up and then we run away from God? He has all of your days written in a book, beginning to end, Okay? This is the guy who they call the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end, the person who's outside of time, right? The one who wrote the scripture that says, all things work together for good of those who love God. The craziest part about that verse is that he inspired it through his Holy Spirit. It got written down from the being God who is totally outside of time. Right? So at the end of your life, you know, like he can just like pull out and go like, okay, 
I'm going to go down here to the end of your life and go, yep, it's true. All the things that you screwed up, I turned around and made it work out for your good. And then he comes back here to you, and he promises you, and he goes, yeah, I checked it out down there. It actually worked. Yeah, my word is actually true. Go figure, right? I mean, just imagine that. The Alpha and the Omega, the guy who's outside of time, the God of the universe, King of Kings. Yeah, he, I mean, he was right. And so that's good. And Peter rolls out, runs away like so many of us do. And the lowest point to me is the next thing that Peter does is he actually goes back to fishing. They're all sitting around and Dudes are all just hanging out, and they're all kind of bumming because they actually did what Jesus told them they were going to do. They all screwed up. And he goes, you know what, guys? I'm done with this. Let's go back to fishing. And it was like this hopeless moment where he actually turned back to his old life, like, like we had talked about earlier, as if God couldn't rescue him, Right? like turning away from the hope of God that he had seen countless times for countless sinners. Jesus even said it in his presence that I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, right? It's not the, it's not the healthy people who need a doctor. It's those who are sick. Peter's there going like, yeah, right. And we all do the same thing. We all come to church when we feel good about ourselves and we're like, yeah, man, this is awesome. God saves sinners. He rescues those people who repent and turn to him. He's, nobody's too far away. And then you, you know, commit, do something stupid, fall into sin, screw up, mess up, fall short. And you go, I'm going back to fishing, man. I'm getting a little scared over here. I'm just going to hold this thing and hopefully I'll ride it out. Instead of running to him, falling before him, and, and being living inside the hope by which he called you, that his love is eternal, and his grace is endless, and every accusation that gets brought against you to his throne gets covered by it, like it's an endless ocean. Come on. To me, that's his lowest point where he disconnects, where he loses focus, he loses sight of who Jesus really is, right? I think we can all, I mean, look, repent is not a scary word, okay? Let's just break that down right now. Repent is a beautiful word. Repent means you get to turn back and look at Jesus again. I think we can all repent from that. I think we can all repent from falling into sin and and then running the other way. It's like totally the scheme of the enemy to convince you that you shouldn't run to God when you feel shame. It's the exact place you should run. Come boldly before my throne of grace so that I can wash you, so that I can hug you, so that I can kiss you, so that I can call you a son, put a robe on you, put a ring on your finger, kill the fatted calf, and cause you to experience the satisfaction of being loved even when you screw up. So that's exactly what Jesus did for Peter. Dudes are fishing. They haven't caught anything all night. Some hobo like rolls up on the beach and goes, hey, you guys should throw the net over the other side of the boat. They're like, you're a doofus. But for whatever reason, I mean, how angry would you be at that person at that point? You are 
dog tired. You've been fishing all night on every single side of that boat, and you haven't caught a darn thing. And then some feller walks up on the beach and says, hey, y'all, I bet you you should try this. Like, we've all been there, right? You're like, how about I punch you in the face? And then John goes, hey, hey, man, that there's Jesus. Peter's like, sometimes when you lose hope, you need help to see Jesus again. Sometimes when you're totally hopeless, you need somebody to smack you around a little bit and say, oh, no, Jesus is right over there. Sometimes you need somebody to go, no, really, Jesus is in your life. Sometimes when things look really bad, you need somebody to tell you, no, really, this is all going to work out for your good. No, really, this is all going to work out for your good. That's why we're all here. So we can help each other. So Peter jumps in to the water, right? Takes his clothes off. No, puts his clothes on. That's the weird part. Puts his clothes on and jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. Always the extreme one, right? Jumps in the water, swims to Jesus, kisses him, and is so happy that he came for him. And in that place, it was like Jesus or Peter was able to see him again, right? Sometimes we lose sight of him. So what does God do? He comes and reveals himself to you. The same way he did for Peter. So full of mercy. How tender is that? That Peter really lost hope. And in that place, like it was, it was like a, a way of saying like, God can't rescue me anymore. And so Jesus comes after him. God, come after us tonight. In every way where we've turned our hearts cold to you in every way where we've turned turned to a hopeless hopelessness god come come into our hearts every dark stony hard dry cold place in our hearts every place where we said i will not trust you with that ever again i will not look to you for this ever again i will not i will not trust you i will not lean on you in every way where we've been angry, in every way where we've been disappointed, God, you have not finished what you're doing in me. Restore hope in my heart tonight. I want you to pray that in your, in your heart right now. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just say, restore hope in me. You know that God is the God who knows, knows what you need before you ask him. He knows everything you're going through. He says, do not worry about what you'll wear, what you'll eat, any of that stuff. He knows exactly what you have need of. And he knows the deep places in your heart where you need his life to be breathed on your heart again. So just say that. Restore hope in these places in my heart. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday Night Youth Meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.